forget. Take your seats! Please! Please, God! Please, can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. And the Oscar goes to... Leonardo DiCaprio. You're listening to another very special episode of Classic Movies Live presents Losing It Over Leo. Today... We are talking about uh, well, we're almost at the end of uh, we're almost at the end of the series now. We're we're talking about our second to last movie that we're gonna that uh, was originally planned in this series, and uh, potentially the second to last movie we talk about. I think we're gonna continue on past that, but um, we are almost at the end. Today we're gonna talk about one of my favorite movies that, uh, or go- going into this whole thing, we'll see if I still have that opinion. Uh, we're going to talk about The Wolf of Wall Street. We're back to Martin Scorsese once again. Pierre, how does it feel to to watch another Martin Scorsese movie? I'm pretty great, honestly. With uh, I think that this is probably his most famous and most interesting collaboration with Leo. I also think it's the first time Leo produced a movie with Scorsese, right? I think so, yeah. So, <clears throat> did, he, did he produce this? He did. He was a producer. Oh, yeah, he did. So, um, and uh, he he was also from what I saw he was actually a pretty big or he he had a part in casting Jonah Hill as well in in this and in, in the role of I can't remember but anyway so yeah he he had a pretty good role and I honestly think I don't know if it was because they collaborated specifically but this was I think a very like perfect Scorsese movie if that makes sense like and biopic wise mm-hmm. this um. It sort of, uh, I think it still has, not necessarily the problems, but it still has a couple of the trademark Scorsese biopic things. Um, but on the other hand, it's also, it feels a little smoother, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, Scorsese wanted to tell this story, and Leo kind of wanted to, and Leo clearly wanted to play this role. So, like, those two collaborating on how exactly the story gets told just seems like a really good worked out really well for this movie. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think the, the, I guess, do you know what the book is called? Is it also called Wolf of Wall Street? It's called the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Scorsese picked it, but very good, uh, source material. And it has a lot of, um, cause I, I think this movie takes it further than the traditional biopic in that in my opinion it has a lot of very 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 subtle themes and commentary on on uh, i guess class um classism and uh uh wall street in general their lifestyle real quick um what we were saying about this being a bio like a scorsese biopic and that it worked really well with leo and him 
this was a movie that Leonardo DiCaprio won the rights to. He got the rights to the book, and then he didn't necessarily scout Scorsese, but like him and his production company pretty much made like got Scorsese for this. So this was Leo wanting to do this project and then Scorsese like getting in on it. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty cool. Maybe that's probably why I, I actually think this is like Leo's best performance or one of his best, if not the best performance. This is this is definitely my favorite Leo performance so far. Yeah, there you go. He he just really dug into this role. And uh, even though I don't think Leo's ever half-assed a role, maybe in Great Gatsby, I'm not sure. But this is... I think that if he's ever he half-assed... Sorry, I was I was just going to say, I think if he's ever half-assed a role, we have not yet seen that movie. Yeah, exactly. Because we've skipped a couple. And like, we've skipped a couple of the ones that people consider the bad ones. Yeah, but this was like Leo on another level, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So, um, oh, I've seen just behind the clips scenes of this. And, you know, Leo is just he's being a normal person. And as soon as the camera goes on, you can see him just light up. It's incredible. Oh, really? Like just oh, that's turns cool. on. Yeah. Yeah. I should see if I can find that gift for you. It's really good. That'd be cool to see. But yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, this movie is based on the life of who? Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort, who is a young young wall street um i guess i guess he he has an interest in working in wall street and then he's kind of quickly corrupted by it but then is let go from wall street when the the firm he's working for collapses in one of the stock market crashes i think it was in the 80s um 87 87 yeah and then after that he creates his own investment firm i guess but th through very or much, I guess in this case, it's much more illegal practices. Um, after, after discovering the how much money he can make from penny stocks specifically, which is def, which is uh, definitely a way of screwing over your customers, I guess, in that business. I think, and then he takes yeah. that to higher levels as the movie goes on. I think what he's doing in the beginning isn't even necessarily illegal. It's extremely immoral, obviously, because he's just like cheating people out of money. But what he's doing is um, so normally on the stock market as a stockbroker, you would trade in um, stocks that are for, for companies that are actually listed on the stock market. So like Microsoft, Amazon, stuff like that. And he makes like a very, very small commission doing that. But with penny stocks, you're trading stock in companies that have technically gone public, but like aren't on the stock market because they they don't have the capital to be there. So like you're buying stocks for like three cents a share, and the person who sells that to you, the stockbroker who sells it to you, gets fifty percent commission instead of like two percent. So um, what they do is they just sell a bunch of stocks in companies or a bunch of shares in companies that they don't believe in at all. And then they get, you know, if someone pays $10,000 to buy stocks in, you know, some airline that's not going anywhere, they just made the, the person that sold them that $10,000 of stocks just made $5,000, if I'm understanding yeah. correctly. So yeah, it's that's... taking advantage of people, but at least at the very beginning, it's technically not illegal. It's just that he's like, it's, it's just that the reason it's not illegal is like, nobody goes very far in that industry is what it sounds like. No, well, I, I it was it was interesting seeing as because uh, he he was a trained Wall Street salesman essentially, and he was given 
he was given, I, I guess, dumb people to rip off or dumber people than the people like the rich people he was selling to at first. And then also, um, I guess, compared to everyone else in that penny stock field, he was the only one with the the actual salesmanship to invest or to to draw people in. So it was a it was interesting to see. I don't I, I honestly it seems like a really smart idea, at least at the time. Not in, in terms of not in terms of ripping people off, but like it, it feels like one of those things where it's too good to be true, right? And it's it like it might have been written to convenience the plot, but I guess this was actually how it happened. I'm guessing. So uh I I guess this that in part makes it a really good find for Leo when he uh like found this story. Cause it yeah, it is a really good story. And I think oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I think what's kinda interesting there is um so I, I just described basically what um, what they're doing with the stocks. And when at the very beginning, like you said, they're they're working with, you know, they say dumb people, but essentially it's, you know, people who aren't going to be actually going to the real stock market because they can't afford to put $10,000 into Amazon, but they can maybe afford to put 300 bucks into, I don't know, a fax machine company. Um, but like, so they're they're working with, middle class and lower people and then like his big strategy that like that sort of sets the whole thing in motion is he trains his penny stock brokers to sell to rich people and so you know he also does a lot of illegal things but i think it's kind of interesting that like he immediately becomes not only not only does he immediately become the bad guy but like he's immediately being hunted down the moment he starts selling to rich people instead of poor people which is fairly subtle, maybe, but like that's already one of this movie's comments on class, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's what I, I think this movie can sometimes get a... I think it's actually like very frequently misinterpreted just because it, on the surface, I think it very, very much glorifies Wall Street. Um, at least that's what it seems like. But for mm-hmm. me, when I watch it, it, it looks it's just very sickening and kind of sad because in the end, I think it's pretty obvious all these people are miserable and or at least in the movie, they're portrayed as as basically being miserable. And that's why they're on drugs all the time. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, they're none of none of what they did actually pays off. Right. But yeah, a lot of the people I talk to about this movie um don't really notice those things they basically they basically are just like wow this this wall street guy this movie's so awesome because it's basically about this guy that does drugs and has sex all the time and he's really rich and he does whatever he wants and that's really not what the movie's about at least to be to be fair i think that's kind of the biggest flaw of this movie is like so there's a difference between treating your audience like an idiot and you know respect and there's a difference between like oh what am i trying to say this movie doesn't necessarily need to come right out and say that it's about a bunch of terrible people doing terrible things, but you need to like put in way more work than I think is reasonably expected. It can be reasonably expected to get to that conclusion. Like obviously we're going to get to that conclusion because at least to, to some degree, like we are, well, I don't know about we, but like I am already inclined to, think that these people are probably not good because they're taking advantage of people but at the but on the other hand like 
this movie does definitely on the surface glorify that lifestyle. But I think that like the interpretation that everyone is miserable here isn't wrong. It's just like way too subtle. If that makes sense. Like, I think that this movie is just really easy to misinterpret. And that's kind of part. That's probably its biggest flaw. Not that it needs to be like, it doesn't need to come right out and say at the end, by the way, everyone was really bad. Just so you know, (laughs) but like, it's, it's like, it's, it's almost, I think this movie is too subtle. If the point is to show that these are terrible people, because this is an extremely fun movie. And like Um, the consequences that they, the consequences that all these people face for their actions are very minor within the movie. And like, in reality, also fairly minor at the time this movie came out. Jordan Belfort has since uh, gotten in even more trouble. But like, he went to jail for 22 months and then got out, got a huge movie deal and became a motivational speaker. So like, I feel like in order to in order to interpret this movie as, you know, not glorifying that lifestyle, you kind of have to be more cynical than you can expect everyone to be. Um, I guess I I actually OK, m- maybe this is like because I read about it, but like this this comment really intrigued me. I think it was on Reddit when I read about this movie before where um, the it's like it's a very the. I guess you're right in that it's too subtle because I think the commentary is very meta in that at all, I think all the signs of of this movie basically satirizing Wall Street and making it look stupid are there. It's yeah. literally just like because what's funny about it is that because especially at the end, even though you can even though like uh, this is Jordan Belfort and he's 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 a motivational speaker and he's talking to the audience about his experiences, right? It's like no one cares about what happened to him or why he got there. Everyone is just in awe of the possibility of having his life and being that rich at a certain point, no matter the consequences or what they have to do to achieve it. And I think that's like kind of a commentary on the audience as well in that you have all these people that can watch the movie and they will notice that this, this life is probably not that good and not that healthy. And it literally, like, on screen shows the kind of downfall of this lifestyle, at least for Jordan Belfort. But it doesn't matter because everyone's still in awe of being able to achieve that lifestyle because of all the faint, like, all the glamour and the, uh, like, the extravagance of it. It's just Mm -hmm. everyone just kind of avoids thinking about the bad stuff. And they, they kind of put it on a pedestal. Which is mm-hmm. in a in a similar way to how he was kind of Jordan Belfort himself was ripping off uh, those the the penny stock people that were buying his penny stocks in hopes of being able to win a shit ton of money, even though it it literally did not make any sense, right? So the yeah. movie's like doing kind of the same thing. Like again, that's you're right; it's not subtle at all. But I think that's what makes the movie so brilliant, and also it works really well in terms of selling the movie too, because. You can have people that are looking for deeper meaning in a movie and you'll find that. And then there are those that, you know, just want to have a good time and watch a crazy ass movie and they'll literally also get the same thing. So it does both Mm -hmm. things extremely well. And that's really impressive. And I can't think of many movies that are able to do that as well as this one. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with any of that. So, yeah, that was my rant. Um, Hmm. But anyways, uh, going to Leo, 
uh yeah like this was such a versatile role for him um he had to do many crazy things in this movie and he was able to pull them off every single time like being insane like taking an insane amount of drugs and like being near death and acting like um he had to act innocent at first and be kind of the naive wall street new guy on the block and you kind of grow to see this this monster that's kind of created out of himself it's uh it's just a really good performance and i i I don't know many act other actors that could have like carried this movie because keep in mind this is a three hour long movie and it's also very centered on leo's character very yeah it's it's almost a character study although i would not say that jordan belfort is getting as much characterization as that implies in this even though he's he's a well-developed character but it really doesn't feel like a typical character study yeah that's fair um but either way like it was just i if i had to give a for a best performance at least from what we've seen i definitely say this is his best performance and uh i don't even also say i just really wish he won the oscar for this movie i was very upset that he didn't i guess he was up against he was up against some good competition but i really think that he should have gotten it i don't know who won that year matthew mcconaughey who was also in this movie dallas buyers (laughs) club to be fair uh oscar winner matthew mcconaughey did an incredible job in dallas buyers club like he's probably the guy that if it wasn't gonna go to leo it was gonna go to him but i think leo did a better job here yeah it's just it's crazy how that came out of nowhere too that Mm -hmm. like that was matthew mcconaughey's first like really famous role i guess in in quite a while I'm pretty sure that Matthew McConaughey had been in good movies before 2013, uh, which is the year this movie came out, and also Dallas Buyers Club. On the other hand, Matthew McConaughey, to my experience, was not taken seriously as an actor before that. At least, you know, the mainstream opinion of him was not taking him seriously as an actor. But he did that, and then I think this must have been... This was either the year year that... um, uh, this might have been the year that True Detective came out too. Uh, that was it was the year after, I believe. But it was oh, okay. this, this True Detective and Interstellar, like really brought him into the spotlight again. Yeah, uh, which, um, yeah, and you know, uh, the reason I say Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey is because that's a joke I've heard on a lot uh, of late night shows. Just that yeah. came, he came out of no, like. He went from being that dude in Dazed and Confused to being an Oscar winner and seriously well-respected actor so quickly that like it took so many people by surprise. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how that works. Um, but yeah, also he had an amazing role in this. Yeah, uh, even though it was really short. For, yeah, he's only in it for like five minutes, but he plays yeah. Leo's first boss. Yeah, essentially his of, mentor character, I guess, that brings yeah. him into the fold. So Leo goes into this whole thing, uh, Jordan Belfort, I guess, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed. And, you know, I'm going to make millions of dollars on the stock market and I'm going to make other people millions of dollars on the stock market, too, because I'm a stockbroker and that's what stockbrokers do. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey, like, takes him aside and says, no, 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 you're going to make a million dollars. Don't care about anyone else. And then gets him really drunk and gives him a bunch of cocaine and tells him to jerk off three times a day. (laughs) Yeah. 
and it's a hilarious scene it's it's oh it's, it feels yeah. kind of out of place and that it's it's like quite uh i guess in terms of like its placement in the movie just because it's like a it's a pretty long scene and it's featuring this character that really is only in the movie for like the first 10 minutes um but he's still such a he has such a big role in it so mm-hmm. uh, well that was, at the was very really end at the very end like leo's big la- last big character moment is basically imitating matthew mcconaughey by doing this weird chest pumping thing that he did yeah yeah it was a cool callback to that mm-hmm. so yeah great real that also yeah it just in general leo was has had this movie had an amazing supporting cast um this- it's incredible. Like I reckon every time a new character is introduced, I'm like, Hey, I know that guy, which happens in almost no movies. Yeah. Um, but I also like, I I'd say a lot of these actors, like for example, uh, what's that guy's name? He plays the Punisher. Um, John, John Bernthal. Bernthal. Yeah, yeah. Like this was one of his first bigger roles. He was amazing in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome seeing Jonah Hill. I think this was his first Oscar nom. He was I think amazing. Moneyball was his first. I think this oh, was his second. Oh, never I'm mind. Check, but he, but uh, either way, yeah. he he did amazing. I I don't honestly. He almost kind of gave Leo a run for his money, in my opinion. Oh, he, he definitely did. did. I think. Did really I mean, job. well, maybe almost. Yeah, he was he was really good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. This was his second nom. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, it was awesome to see. Uh, I remember. Or I watched an interview where he talked about how Scorsese was like his idol growing up and then he always wanted to be in a Scorsese movie and then honestly he probably brought one of the best performances in a Scorsese movie um or in Scorsese's filmography I guess is a better way of saying that so that's awesome Margot Robbie this was her breakout performance she was pretty great in this I was um, just gonna say before we go saying anyone is bringing the best to a Scorsese performance even though it's not Scorsese's best we cannot forget that Scorsese once directed Daniel Day-Lewis. That's true, yeah. Um, well, that's okay, not even uh, fair to compare against, honestly. On, uh, honestly, okay, this is personal opinion. I liked him, at least in Gangs of New York. I don't know if he was in another Scorsese movie, but I like Jonah Hill more in this. That's, uh, that's fair. I think, I think they're very different roles, so it's weird to compare them, but I definitely... I would put Leo in this above Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York. I would not probably put Jonah Hill above him. Yeah, but either way, like Jonah Hill was just performing on another level mm-hmm. at that point. Um, but yeah, Margot Robbie was great. Um, I'm trying to think, like the whole the whole initial Wall or Stratton Oakmont group. I can't. Yeah. I, I I wish I could remember all like the actors' names, but I don't. But um, they were just such an awesome uh, troop of characters that. Even though they didn't have really a huge role in like what happened in the movie, just seeing them pop up every now and then was just really fun. They were all they're all kind of like cartoon characters, essentially. This and might really have fun. been I don't know if this counts as a breakout for Kenneth Choi, but like this was one of the first big roles Kenneth Choi had. He played uh, he played what's his name? Ronnie? No, Chester, uh, who's one of the initial guys um, who like it's kind of funny because Chester always looks super serious, but he's kind of just a dumb thug yeah he was just a drug dealer right i think all of them were drug dealers like yeah the initial the initial group he's like uh this is this is my buddy this is my buddy um who are they i think it was this is my buddy nikki he sells weed this is my buddy chester he sells uh quaaludes and also this is my buddy brad 
he's the Quaalude King of New York of New Jersey, but he gets by selling weed. This is my buddy Chester. He get he sells something and also weed. And this yeah. is my friend Robbie. He'll sell anything you give him, mostly weed. Yeah, that was so a yeah. Cool he just scene. hired his local weed dealers. <laughs> um who else was in this uh i guess another like john favreau was kind of cool to see he didn't really do much jean dujardin is like this reminded me that jean dujardin exists who's an incredible actor he's the first and to my knowledge only non not non-american but non-english speaking actor to win a best actor award oh wow damn uh he was in this as the swiss banker and like I definitely want to make sure that we talk about John Dujardin eventually. There's not much to say in this movie, but like I will be getting us back to John Dujardin. Yeah. So like a great cast. Scorsese did a good job of like filling that out. And also, um, I remember, uh, I remember at the time this was big news because um, at the time that this movie came out, how I met your mother had not yet ended. And they had just cast the role of the mother in How I Met Your Mother. And this was the world's introduction to her. Kristen Milioti uh, first appeared in this and not in How I Met Your Mother. She appeared very shortly afterwards in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, cool. Yeah, she had a pretty small role, actually. I thought it was going to be bigger, um, at least the first time I started the movie. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's kind of unfortunate she pretty much gets pushed to the side honestly same with margot robbie in some ways um although margot robbie does have a she definitely has a bigger role because she's just in it for longer really yeah that's true uh it just would have been nice i guess it was kind it's i guess i don't know this isn't really a huge knock on the movie but it would have been nice to see a little more of that that first marriage i guess because it, it was very much like i uh, like and they maybe had like one or two dialogue scenes together where they actually talked one-on-one. This actually movie, is... So. I remember Remember how earlier I said Martin Scorsese has like certain things that are always, not necessarily issues, but certainly always there in his uh, biopics? Mm-hmm. His, the first marriage kind of felt like that because Martin Scorsese will tell you the whole story. And like, you know, he'll tell you... Like, he's not going to start somewhere... He, he's not going to start somewhere halfway through and then just bring you up to speed. He's going to tell you everything, which is fine. He makes good movies out of it. But like you end up with some scenes that even though they are important, they feel like they're there mostly to fill out backstory than to actually add very much. Like in this case, we have the first marriage, which is cool. And like, it's very, you know, the scenes that we get from that first marriage are good. But this movie is about everything that happened after the first marriage ended. The thing is, yeah. it takes him an hour to get there. And like in The Aviator, we had all of those scenes after uh, Howard Hughes and Catherine Hepburn broke up, which like, there's a lot of things there, but the relationship stuff after that kind of just seemed like filler. It worked better in this because you could always tell why the scene was there. But on the other hand, like, there's just this stuff that it feels like if he didn't want it there, he didn't have to have it. And like I said, it works better in this, but it's still just sort of extra fluff that he just brings in. Yeah, that's true. I it's not something I love, but then it's also not something I needed more of. Unfortunately, the the, the similarity between this this movie and The Aviator is that both of the main characters 
are are, are uh, I guess playboys. Is that the right word to say? It? They they don't really care for relationships. See, from what I, I can tell would, that much. I would say kind of because that's definitely both of them outwardly. Though I would say that in this movie, that's Jordan Belfort inward. Like that is actually who he is. Where with Howard Hughes, I don't really get the feeling that he is a playboy. Like he doesn't care that much about relationships, but like it's very clear the ones that are important to him. And here it's like none of them are important to him. He cares about money. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That that's a good that's a good point. It was like uh, Howard Hughes was more like he was doing it out of just kind of pain, if that makes sense, because he couldn't find a relationship. So. Yeah, and he's also got like kind of a public image. That too, yeah, I want well. to maintain that. Um, so it was, I guess, portrayed differently, but yeah, and uh, I think like Scorsese brought a lot of it was it was actually like a despite the I guess it kind of lends itself to comedy, but this was really good in that like I think it portrayed the dramatic moments and the comedy moments pretty well. Uh, I it kind of I think what it did was it it would portray tragedy as kind of comedic. Or very comedic in, in a lot of cases. So you could you could have the heaviness of some scenes, but it you didn't feel that much emotional whiplash, I guess, because the scenes were kind of acted pretty funny. For example, when uh, it, it's actually like it's a pretty sad scene on paper when uh, Margot Robbie's character, uh, the Duchess, I guess I'll call her, um, uh, ends their marriage and says she wants a divorce. The first thing. Jordan Belfort does is he he well he hits her which is like really dark but then he goes to cartoonishly rip his cocaine out of his couch and it's kind of odd that Scorsese says he's able to balance the tones that well and stuff like that but um yeah the, it helps scene... it helped I guess it helped get through the drama without like depressing the audience and slowing the movie down if that makes sense mm-hmm. although I would say like the scenes that I immediately thought of where he's taking tragedy and portraying it as comedy is like the fight that he has with Jonah Hill, where they're both on 10 year old quaaludes that are <laughs> really, really potent. Yeah. Like they're both actually about to die. And he, and he like is, and Jordan Belfort super high looks at a TV, sees Popeye like rip some spinach. So he takes out his cocaine snorts the entire bottle of cocaine and then like goes over to Jonah Hill in his best Popeye stance and like tries to revive the dude, which is, I mean, actually like if you're seeing this from Margot Robbie's perspective and like you can see everything on her face, she's horrified whatever's going on here. But like, this is one of the funniest scenes in the movie even though it's supposed to be, well, like, well, not supposed to be, but even though the actual events are just insanely horrifying. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of, in some ways, reminds me of Parasite, except way less dark. Yeah. Just the, yeah, using using these, like, really messed up moments in, in, in the story and portraying them as comedy instead, uh, I think eases that. And, and kind of, I guess it, it also helps it feel less pretentious. I don't know why, but because especially this movie is very bloated technically, right? It's a three hour movie, three hour biopic. I don't know many biopics that are three hours that are consistently good, but this is able oh, to do okay. that. Um, I think because of the fact that 
he he keeps it li- relatively light and 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 uh, light on its feet and without really anchoring it in too much emotional depression. Because I I I think this movie easily could have been filmed as like this uh, depressing swirl of cocaine hookers and and uh, dep- uh, getting or breaking the law. And so, that, that just would not would have been a, like a good movie to watch or a fun movie to watch. So um, taking it all the way back to the beginning, uh, this movie, the rights to this movie were won by Leonardo DiCaprio. The person he was bidding against was Brad Pitt. If Brad Pitt had won that, I believe probably Brad Pitt would have played Jordan Belfort. And I don't know who would have directed this movie. I think it would have been not quite as serious in tone as you as the movie you just described, but it would be a little more serious in tone. And I don't know if it would have worked as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, Brad Pitt can be pretty funny. No, he I... can. Uh, but it's it's more of an issue of if if Leo had not gotten this, would they still have gotten Martin Scorsese? Because I really That's think true. that the, the, t- the combo of Leo and Martin Scorsese works really well. And worked really well for this movie. And the combo of Martin Scorsese and Brad Pitt would have done fine. I don't know if it would have happened. It could have, yeah. I I also think this was a good time to bring the movie to Scorsese. Um, I think he was getting pretty... His movies were getting a little not... like They weren't terrible, but they weren't great, if that makes sense. Um, just before... I, I I actually haven't seen Hugo in years, but... I remember Hugo being a really good movie and it came out what two years before this. And um, I think it it showed a more lighthearted side to Scorsese that um, isn't really isn't too common uh, from his movies first that one, I notice. Was Hugo his first one after Shutter Island? Yeah, it was a year after. Oh, OK, because you had uh, what, what was did he make a movie in 2008? Was there something there? I. Let me check quickly. Tell you, but yeah, he'd done Shutter Island, uh, no, the, Departed, the Departed, and then yeah, yeah, he'd done he'd done four pretty grim movies right before Hugo, and then like Hugo and the Wolf of Wall Street are much more lighthearted. L- they're they're much more lighthearted. Yeah, even though they're very very different in the way they choose to be lighthearted, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it was a great time because maybe if if this movie was brought to him, um. A few years earlier, like maybe like in 2008 when he was doing uh, after after he finished The Departed, this movie might not have been as as great in terms of comedy and stuff like that. So I really appreciate that about the movie as well. And it's it's cool. It's honestly really cool that you you have this this uh, director that mostly directs pretty messed up movies and he comes out. I mean, this movie is still messed up, but he's able to create an insanely funny comedy anyways while also like, balancing his grim like his grim dark uh themes in it and and the bloated runtime and the fact that it's a biopic it's it's really impressive this movie uh it reminded me a lot of um it reminded me a lot of like scorsese's gangster movies because he at least likes to i think he makes a lot of gangsters gangster movies doesn't he and like he does, yeah, yeah he did he did goodfellas and like this movie is not the same as Goodfellas, but like Goodfellas is much I'm 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 going to say Goodfellas is much more lighthearted than something like The Departed and this movie is infinitely more lighthearted than Goodfellas, but like, you know, Goodfellas has 
he does his when he does gangster movies, he's he's kind of glorifying the bad guys, but he's making them fun characters is his whole point. And that's kind of what he's doing here. Yeah, he he really does. I also think it's directed very similar to a like the I, I'd say like the narration. I don't know how common this is in gangster movies, but like the the, the style of it kind of reminded me of the Irishman um, and, and maybe Cape Fear and that I guess Cape Fear is not a gangster movie, but the 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 heavy handed narration to explain kind of the the world they're in, I, I feel is pretty lends to that gangster uh, gangster movie style, um, even though I haven't seen too many of these and I sh- definitely should watch more. But uh, one thing that's just kind of a pet peeve for me, it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I noticed it in this movie. Uh, I don't like inconsistent narration because like there are a lot of times where he was narrating and like his character in, per- in, in the movie wasn't talking, which is fair. He's not yeah. supposed to like that's one style of narration. But in the very beginning of the movie, he's like walking around. And as he's giving his narration, he's talking to you. He's presenting his life, which is really cool. It's such a good scene, but that never happens again. And so, like, I kind of wish that the narration was a little more consistent in that, honestly, I wish that he would just break the fourth wall all the time. But, like, when you kind of do half and half, I don't like that as much. I know that, uh, God, who's the guy that did Bombshell? He does that a lot, and I don't like it in his movies. In this movie, it didn't bother me as much as in Bombshell, but, like, um, I don't know. That thing kind of just, that just kind of bothers me when you can't pick a style. That's true. Yeah, it's not consistent. Um, I kind of, I see what you mean, yeah. For what it's also, worth, though, like he did only do the one style of narration in one scene, so it, it more or less worked out. Maybe that's why it didn't bother me as much. Uh, yeah. I, also, the I noticed with the narration sometimes it was inconsistent because it it felt like at first the narration was coming from him, like presently narrating the movie as it goes along. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like he's very proud of his lifestyle and stuff like that. But then also sometimes he he sounds it sounds like he's commentating from a a future perspective of I I did this and I regret it and that was kind of confusing too because he would praise some stuff he did but then also be like like I can't or I shouldn't have done this I can't think of any specific examples but it was a little odd also the I noticed the cuts sometimes were pretty or a, or a little jarring in terms of continuity and stuff like that but. That's something I just kind of noticed with Scorsese. He his movies are so long that he's not always able to keep it totally clean and all the cuts totally consistent between each other. So, but that's fair. Mm. But um, yeah, I honestly I can't think of any other bad things to say about this movie. It's very very close to being a perfect movie. Uh, I mean, it made a lot of jokes at the expense of disabled people. I guess there's that. I noticed that when I was watching it again. <laughs> That's well, I, I personally take that as in, again, more of the like these people are really bad and they and the but people still praise them meta commentary, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I agree with you to some degree, except that, again, I think it's necessary. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's more. Yeah, it's more that it's unnecessary is why it bothers me. But also, like, because this movie is as subtle with its meta commentary as it is like. It's more like I feel like some people who like this movie and I guess like this is this is me straw manning at this point. But like some people who like this movie are going to very obviously like it for the wrong reasons. And like it, glor- it, it 
This movie looks like it glorifies a lifestyle of the lifestyle of all these people. And it also, as it's doing that is like, you know, these are horrible people at every level and it's glory. And the movie looks like it's glorifying every level of their lifestyle, which, you know, the meta commentary is not doing that. But if you watch this and you're just looking for a fun movie, which you can totally get out of this movie, then like it kind of is. That's that's really all I'm saying. And like, I don't know, I still like this movie a lot, but I noticed that a lot. And maybe I'm just noticing that more now than in 2013. Yeah, it's totally fair. I I get that. Um, I think it's kind of sometimes a too much of a rock for for movies to rely on it, it's a very it's very much a dark zone like my first thought when i think of issues like this is like tropic thunder um where they they have a person in blackface but the purpose is to make fun of blackface and but with tropic thunder i think it's less but that's the thing is i mean i'm gonna keep coming back to this with tropic thunder it's very clear what message they're trying to send where with the Wolf of Wall Street, I don't think it is. Not as much. Well, there, you could also look at, like, what did you think of the Simple Jack uh, commentary in Tropic Thunder as well? I mean, it's not in the greatest taste, but I get that joke. Like, I understand oh, okay. what they're going for. It's yeah. not necessarily executed perfectly. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see, though, for, like, a, a general audience, it, I, I think it, it could be pretty... Um, insensitive and not done in the best taste either way so yeah but um yeah overall like one of my favorite movies i've i've i don't think i've seen i, I can't how many movies have you seen that are three hours long but you were like never bored in i can't definitely, think of many definitely a few but like maybe like lord of the rings and avengers yeah, Endgame or something definitely those two um God, I swear there's one movie that's like a million hours long and i always oh watchmen i love watchmen Oh god, <laughs> that's a tale for. Did you ever talk about Watchmen? We didn't. We should at some point. Yeah, we'll get there. maybe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, the on, on a Leo scale, this is like uh, probably a ten out of ten. Actually, I'll give it yeah. a perfect score. He did amazing. Definitely his best role. Uh, and I, I think this is the peak. Unfortunately, I don't know if we're ever going to get this Leo again because this is, I think, back when he was really hungry for the Oscar still. And now it seems like he's not too concerned about it anymore. No, but the roles that he's gotten since, and there have been two, that's it. But the, those two roles have been consistently good. So, like, I'm hopeful that we'll get another thing at this level. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm hopeful. I haven't yeah, hope. maybe, in the, maybe in the future. Yeah, so. I would say that this is a 10 out of 10 on a Leo scale. And, like, for as a movie, what do you give it? Um... I'd say probably a 9.5. I, I think they might have been able to trim a couple things here and there. I don't entirely love like the way they they dealt with some of the plot lines, but um, I, I guess I don't know. Overall, like it's it's very close. It, it probably it might even be a 10. I'm just I feel like there's something there that I I'm trying to remember that I didn't entirely enjoy and I don't want to give it a perfect mark because of that so yeah but it's very very close i'm gonna give it a nine because like i was expecting to give this a 10 but as i'm watching it like i have some minor issues with the movie which aren't that big of a deal uh and then which i've mostly brought up 
And then also like there were times when I felt it was dragging, not much, but like just a little bit, like there were, you know, five minutes where I could step away to go to the bathroom, which like, you know, if this was a perfect movie, I would be gripped for, you know, the full three hours. And like, so, so I can't give it a perfect score either, but I, I, it's close. I don't exactly know what I would have done to fix it, but it's not perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's but um, yeah, definitely great movie, and honestly, probably one of the best movies of this decade too. Though, at least, or maybe not. Okay, yeah, best, and and then also like, I, I want to say influential, but like, I can't think of like movies that really like inspired or anything like that. But um, best and most maybe most memorable, one of the most memorable movies this decade. That is probably a fair thing to say. Yeah. Thank you. So, All right, uh, we've only got yeah. one episode left. Uh, you know, kind of. We're going to do some more after afterwards, but we've got one big episode left because the next episode is Leo's Oscar. You ready yeah. to talk about The Revenant, dude? I am. I haven't seen that movie since it came out because, honestly, I didn't love it. Was but it three hours? It was, it was very, very long. I don't know if it was three hours. It certainly felt like three hours, which is, isn't really a good thing. Um, um but definitely I th- be... a, a revolution or not revolutionary damn it's it's a very monumental movie just For specifically sure. because it's the one leo won and also it 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 contains like uh some amazing like a, an amazing performance from tom hardy uh dom hall gleason's in this movie puts in a great performance and and uh <laughs> this is right after uh the who's the director of this emmanuel alejandro oh, Al- alejandro inuritu yeah, he was, was he was coming off the high of Birdman this, uh, to this movie. So there are some incredible scenes in this. I don't know who the cinematographer was, but like the cinematographer just like blew it out of the park too. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an experience, even though it's not the greatest movie, which is odd to say. But and it's gonna be it's gonna be an emotional episode for me too because way 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 back when uh, in 2013, roughly. Uh, I had another I had another podcast with a friend of mine and every single episode I would make sure to mention the upcoming movie The Revenant because it was my most anticipated movie for like <laughs> 2 years. I don't even remember if we did an episode on it. I hope we did, but like I remember I didn't love it the first time I saw it, which was really disappointing because like I said, I'd been looking forward to that movie publicly for 2 years. Yeah, so. it's, I I was looking for forward to it for a long time too. Just, just in terms of, I saw Birdman. I didn't love it, but um, honestly, also, I, I think the biggest thing with, for me was uh, uh, seeing Emmanuel Lubezki's work. I think that's who is what his name is. The cinematographer Aleha- in this. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't saying the, but he he is an amazing cinematographer. I honestly, I I haven't seen. He hasn't done too many movies, but I put him up there with with Roger, like a potential like roger deacon's equivalent cinematographer um even though he's only really i think done two or three really big movies you are correct about the cinematographer yeah so yeah we'll uh, see you next time for the revenant